Section 5 of The Wit and Humor of America, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Hired Hand and the Hauntons by E. O. Lawton. The Hired Hand was Johnny's Oracle. His auguries were infallible. From his decision there was no appeal. The wisdom of experienced age was his, and he always stood willing to impart it to the youngest. No question was too trivial for him to consider, and none too obtruse for him to answer. He did not tell Johnny to never mind or wait until he grew older, but was ever willing to pause in his work to explain things. Orcular qualifications were genuine. He had traveled. He had even been as far as the state fair. He had read from Robinson Crusoe to Dick the Dead Shot, and more than all, and he had meditated deeply. The hired hand's name was Epp. Perhaps he had another name, too, but if so, it had become rather obsolete. Far and wide, he was known simply as Epp. Epp was generally termed a curious feller, and this characterization applied equally well to his peculiar appearance and his inquiring disposition. In his confirmation, nature had evidently sacrificed her love of beauty to a temporary passion for elongation. Length seemed to be the central thought, the theme, as it were, upon which he had been composed. This effect was heightened by generously broad hands and feet and a contrastingly abbreviated chin. The latter feature caused his countenance to wear in repose a decidedly vacant look, but it was seldom caught reposing, usually having to bear a smirk of some sort. Epp's position in the Winkle household was as peculiar as his personality. Nominally, he was a hired servant, but, in fact, from his own point of view at least, he was Mr. Winkle's private secretary, and confidential adviser. He had been on the place ever since old Van was a yearling, which was a long while, indeed, and he had come to regard himself as indispensable. The Winkles treated him as one of the family, and he reciprocated in truly familiar ways. He sat at the table with them, helped entertain their guests, and often accompanied them to church. In regulating matters on the farm, Mr. Winkle proposed, but Ebb invariably disposed, in a diplomatic way, of course, and although his judgment may be based on false logic, the result was generally successful and satisfactory. But with all his good qualities and her attachment to her, however, Mrs. Winkle was not sure that Epp's moral status was quite sound, and she was inclined to discourage Johnny's association with him. As a matter of fact, she had overheard Johnny utter several bad words, of which Epp was certainly the prime source, but the mother's solicitude was of little avail when compared with Epp's Delphinian wisdom. Johnny would steal away to join Epp in the field at every chance, and the information he acquired at these secret seances was varied and valuable. It was Epp who taught him how to tell the time of day by the sun, how to insert a Dutchman in the place of a lost suspender button, how to make bird traps and 
how to skin the cat. Epp initiated him into the mysteries of magic and witchcraft, and showed him how to locate a subterranean vein of water by means of a twig of witch hazel. Epp also confided to Johnny that he himself could stench the flow of blood or stop a toothache instantly by force of a certain charm. But he could not tell how to do this because the secret could be imparted only from man to woman or vice versa. Even the shadowy domain of spirits had not been exempt from Epp's investigations, and he related many a terrifying experience with haunts. Johnny was first introduced to the ghost world one summer night, when he and Epp had gone fishing together. If you want to catch the big uns, always go in the night and the dark of the moon, said Epp, and his piscatorial knowledge was absolute. They had been fishing in silence for some time, and Johnny was nodding, when Epp suddenly whispered, Let's go home, Sonny. I think I see a haunt down yonder. Johnny had no idea what a haunt might be, but Epp's constrained manner betokened something dreadful. It was not until they had come within sight of home that Johnny ventured to inquire, Say, Epp, what is a haunt? Huh? What's a haunt? Why, Sonny, you mean to tell me you don't know what a haunt is? Not exactly. Something like wildcats, ain't they? Well, I'll become found wildcats, not by a long shot. And it broke into the soft chuckle which always preceded his explanations. They reached the orchard fence, and seating himself squarely on the topmost rail, Epp began impressively, Haunts is the remains of dead folks, more especially that's been assassinated, or that is killed, understand? They're kind of old, like spirits, you know. After so long a time, they take to coming back to the earth, a-haunting the precise spot where they was murdered. They always come after dark, and different shapes they take on is surprising. I've seen haunts that look like sheep, and Haunts that look like human persons. But a lot of them you can't see at all being invisible. No, for all we know, there may be a haunt sitting right here betwixt us this minute. With this solemn declaration, Johnny shivered and began edging closer to Epp, until restrained and appalled by the thought that he might actually sit on the unseen spirit by such movement. But do they hurt people, Epp? he asked anxiously. Depp gave vent to another chuckle. No, not as you understand their ways, he observed sagely. If ye let them alone and don't go fooling around their haunting ground, they'll never harm ye. But don't you never trifle with no haunt, sonny. I know the fellow thought twas smart to hector him and said he wasn't feared. Once he threw a rock at one. Here Epp paused. What happened, gasped Johnny. And one year from that time, replied Epp gruesomely, that there feller's cow was hit by lightning. In three years his hoss kicked him and busted a rib, and in seven years he was a corpse. The power of this horrible example was too much for Johnny. Did you reckon it's bedtime? he suggested, trembling. Thenceforth, for many months, Johnny led a haunted life. Ghosts glowered at him from the cellar and garret. Spectres slunk at his heels. Phantoms flitted through the barn. 
twilight teemed with horrors and midnight when he awoke at that hour made of his bedroom a veritable brocken it was in vain for his parents to expostulate with him was one not bound to believe one's own eyes and how about the testimony of the hired hand a story in his reader told in verse and graphically illustrated of the boy named walter who being alone on a lonesome highway one night beheld a sight that made his blood run cold the story acquired an abnormal interest for johnny for walter with courage resembling madness marched straight up to the alleged ghost then laughed gleefully to find it was a friendly guide-post this is all very well as it turned out but what if it had been a sure enough ghost reflected johnny what if it had reached down with its long snaky arms and snatched walter up and run off with him in the dark and only telling what or it might have swooped straight up in the air with him you know if a ghost can do that johnny resolved he would not take any chances friendly guide-posts which may turn out to be hostile spirits then there was a similar tale of the lame goose and the one concerning the pillow and the swing each intended no doubt to allay foolish fears on the part of children but exercising an opposite and harrowing influence upon johnny end of the hired hand and haunts by e o logman recording by kenneth sergeant gagan